Welcome to Save It for the Drive, the podcast for voices of women veterans. I'm your host and veteran, Ingrid Kennedy. Join me as I interview lady veterans from all branches of the military and eras to hear their stories, challenges, and triumphs. Hey everyone, it's Ingrid here. I just wanted to give you all a heads up that this episode this week is going to be our season finale and it's a good one. Um, a Vietnam veteran, Army Nurse Corps, Jackie Trop. She has an amazing story of her time in Vietnam and caring for patients there. It's a good one. And I'm going to take a little bit of time off to recruit some more interviews and stack up some episodes. So please, if you have anyone that's interested in interviewing with me, I would love to hear their story. Have them email me at saveitforthedrive at gmail.com or message me through Facebook or Instagram or however, or reach out to me directly. That's fine too. And hope you enjoy this next episode. Take care. Uh, This week, I'm introducing Jackie Tropp. She is a Vietnam veteran who served in the Army as a nurse, and she served from 1967 to January 1971 and got out of the military as a first lieutenant, almost a captain. And welcome to my podcast show, Jackie. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited. It's been a long time since we talked. And uh, Jackie and I uh, worked together as nurses when um, I worked at Resurrection Medical Center. And you were, were you working for Genentech? That's correct. I was, uh, uh, I did that on the side. I taught nurses how to take care of central lines and declot them. Yep, very cool. And you're super knowledgeable and you would come to our hospital when we had our annual uh, annual competencies right. and help the nurses get signed off um, that they were competent to use that medication. So um, let's get back into your background. On, um, so when you um, joined the Army, um, can you tell me a little bit about your decision in joining the army and uh, what was going on. um, And was the Vietnam war already happening at that time? And and what brought you to make that decision? Okay. So I was raised in a small town in central Illinois. It was called Iliopolis. It's a small town between Decatur and Springfield. My parents were not very well off and I had um, a little brother who, who had leukemia. And my parents spent a lot of money going from Milwaukee, St. Louis. They went a lot of places to try and save my little brother. And they mounted up a lot of bills. And at that time, their insurance was called White Cross. And as soon as White Cross found out that my little brother had leukemia, they dropped my parents. So my parents just owed all this money. And I remember them paying $25 a month forever and ever thinking they'd never get it paid off. And so I got, I 
consequently, they didn't concentrate on me as far as getting into school. And the school I went to was a small high school in central Illinois. And they didn't have counselors about how to get into college. And I applied for nursing school rather late. And I must have taken some tests to get in, although I can't imagine it was that big a deal. And they said, oh, no, you can't go to, I was going to go to Decatur or Springfield. I was willing to live at home, but no, no, we couldn't accept you. We were filled. We were filled. We were filled. And then one time my mom, who was wonderful and also had been in the Army, said to me, pardon me, my mom said uh, that she saw that someone was in a car accident and they were taken to a hospital in Danville, St. Elizabeth's in Danville, Illinois. And so she called them up and she said, that my daughter wants to become a nurse and she can't find anywhere to go to school. That's what my mom did. She was pretty brave. And the director of nursing then said, uh, the school said to my mom, why don't you, let's have an appointment. You bring her in. So she did. And I was accepted <clears throat> that day. I was, my mom was surprised and I was surprised. We didn't know about hospitals being accredited and all that. But my mom and I talked about it and said, you know what? It's not about the hospital. It's about the person who makes the nurse. And she said, I don't want you to worry about that. Just get through the program. So as I was going through the program at St. Elizabeth's, it was a hospital program. I didn't, wouldn't end up with a bachelor's degree. I was going to get just a hospital. I was going to be an RN. That was it. And um, every time I had an affiliation, see, I had to go to wherever I have to have, have trouble getting the money for my mom and dad. They didn't have $500. You know, now it'd be thousands. Mm -hmm. But to go to an affiliation at St. Elizabeth's in Peoria was $500. And my dad, he just didn't have the money. And so I could see them struggling. And so the, the people from the different services came to our school offering to pay for our education. And so I took them up on it. And I knew my mom had been in the army and she never talked bad about it. She was in Paris when they were bombing Paris. And I mean, she was pretty brave and I really wasn't afraid, although my dad was really against the war. And he um, actually, I hate to say this, but he was leaning toward communism. He really was upset about what was going on everywhere. So uh, even when I had to get a security clearance in the army, they made it hard for me because they said your father's a communist. And I said, well, he may think that way, but he's not active in anything. Anyway, whatever, I got a security clearance. I got in and my father, I was too young to sign. So he had to sign, he was not happy about it. But meanwhile, all my expenses were paid. He didn't have to pay any money. And as a private, you made money and I just gave it to my parents. Because all I wanted at that age was to finish school and become a nurse. That's all I ever wanted to do. And I'm sure it was because of my mother. She was so encouraging about it. And I was the only daughter out of four brothers. And so, you know, I just felt like it's what I wanted to do. Everyone said, Jackie's always going to be a nurse in school. And mm -hmm. so I started at St. Elizabeth's. And lo and behold, the school closed our senior year. Oh, no. The director of nursing wrote her master's thesis on how to close a three-year program. I'm telling you, I was devastated. I, I didn't know what to do. Oh. And so 
I, instead of calling my mom and dad, because they wouldn't have known what to do either, six of us, I grew up on a farm, six of us drove somebody's car that was stick shift. We didn't know about insurance, nothing. We drove all the way to the south side of Chicago and went to a phone booth and started calling every school of nursing in Chicago to see about going to school. We didn't even think about St. Louis. We just went right to Chicago and nobody knew how to drive stick shift except me. And so, I, and we drew up one of, one of our student, one of the guys that was in our class, he was married, had children, and he loaned us his car. My mom and dad, uh, you know, they couldn't believe what we did, but we were on the South side for so long. Ingrid, you can only imagine the police came by and said, what are you girls doing at this phone booth so long? We said, we're trying to find a place to go to school. They couldn't believe it because we were in a not such good area of Chicago and we didn't know one area from another because in central Illinois, there's not those kinds of areas. You know, we just, yeah. yeah. And this was during central or civil rights movement. Right. So, you know, things were pretty heated at that time. Exactly. But we didn't understand that. We didn't know. We were all farm raised and small towns all over. And so finally, the police came by again and said, you girls got to go. We got to get you out of here. It's not a good place for you to be. We said, don't worry. We found a place to go to school. Could you tell us how to get to St. Elizabeth's? in Chicago. Oh, wow. Not only that, I'll escort you. So we had a police escort, but when they got us to the front or to the back of the hospital by the ER, they said something which was almost unkind. They said, you know what? You're here, but I'm going to let you know you're only going to be taking care of blacks and Puerto Ricans. Well, we said, we didn't care. We don't care. We just went yeah. to nurses. Didn't matter right. to us. So, uh, they let us there, and the people were so welcoming to all of us. And I was the only Jewish one. The rest of them were all raised Christian. And so mm -hmm. this is a Catholic hospital. Now none of this would go on. And the, all the, the other, all of us were accepted because it was the six top students from St. Elizabeth's and Danville, not related to the St. Elizabeth's in Chicago. So we mm -hmm. are the ones that transferred to St. Elizabeth's in Chicago a different order of nuns. And so um, we, you know, we all got accepted and we all went to school there. Well, one of them at the very end went further up to Wisconsin to school. But every, you know, everyone wanted, once we got accepted, everyone wanted to go there, but they wouldn't accept anymore. And we were labeled as the transfer students. Everyone knew us as that because we went there, Ingrid, because it was the only school we called besides the one where all the nurses got killed, South Chicago, and we mm -hmm. thought our parents would not be happy if we went there. Probably that would never happen again. But meanwhile, we said we weren't gonna go there. So we decided on that school because it was the only one besides South Chicago that was gonna let us finish in one year. Everyone else wanted to take two, wanted us to take two years. Okay. And I was the only one that was in the army uh, the guy who loaned us his car had by then joined the Air Force. And so uh, we were bo we were both in the service. And I so I joined the Army and I finished school. And then as soon as I passed state boards, which I finished school in May or June of 68, 
took boards, passed boards, and I was commissioned a second lieutenant and then went to basic training uh, for, you know, for to be, you know, to be a nurse in the army. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing and I was pretty scared by then of what I'd be doing. I thought I studied everything, but you realize pretty quick that you don't know that much. <laughs> so when you joined as a private, was that like the reserves or how come you didn't go to enlisted basic training for that? And, and it was delayed until you got your commission. I don't know why they did it that way. That's just the way they did it at that oh, time. Interesting. We got, yeah, we were a private as a private, they paid for all of our education while we were, because we were already in school. We were already mm -hmm. out as registered nurses. They wouldn't accept us if we didn't pass boards. So we had to pass mm -hmm. boards. Otherwise, we could not be commissioned as nurses to be a nurse in the Army. So luckily, um, I, you know, I mean, I was the one everyone was most concerned about passing boards because I had to be going into the, you know, I'd be active duty in the Army. So the, not, the rest of them did not go in the Army. So I was the only one. And I certainly wanted to pass boards and I wanted to get started in the Army. I was pretty excited, you know, and... Yeah, signed up my dad to the recruiter, of course, the recruiter said, sir, don't worry, your daughter will never have to go to Vietnam is exactly what he said. And mm -hmm. so when I got orders to go, well, anyway, so let's continue because lots happened in between basic training and going to Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. So I, oh. yeah. I was so, I go on. Yeah, but I thought I okay. Yeah. So um and you said your mom was was she in World War Two? Yes, she was in World War Two and she loved the army. And she didn't meet well, dad there. She met him in Milwaukee, but she loved the army. She thought she got to travel and she told me it would be she said you should try it on. You know, my mom's the reason I did everything. I was an only daughter close to my mom, so close to my mom. And I took care of my brothers. And so she was all about me becoming a nurse. And if I went in the army, that would be fine too. And I knew I had to go in the army because my mom and dad couldn't pay for school without it being stressed on them. And they already had enough stress. So I gave yeah. all my money. I just gave it to them. Whatever I made as a private, I gave to my mom and dad. So they were able to pay things off. And, you know, it was just a, you know, it was a, you know, dump positive on both sides and, but my dad was not happy when I got orders. So we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and your mom was your mom also a nurse? Yes. My mom was a nurse. Okay. I think that's really cool how she kind of inspired you to go into the service. Oh, oh, me too. Oh, me too. I had the best mother. I'm telling you, even my husband says it, he, my mother loved my husband and he loved her. And when I was mm -hmm. at the master's program, they would pray I'd go to school so they could have lamb chops every night. I'm telling you, he they loved each other. You, she couldn't have had a better son than she had with my husband. They were very, very, they were just like so close. I'm so honored and so glad that my mom and I were close and my husband and my mom were very close. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, okay, so then uh, where did you go for basic training? Texas, Fort Sam. Okay. And was your basic training 
like uh the typical boot camp or was it more like the officer training where it's um, not at training officer training and that sergeant was giving all the nurses a hard time i said i'm not going to shoot a gun so you know what i'm not shooting a gun i'm just not uh, if i got to kill somebody to save my life i can't do it i can't kill anybody i just can't you nurses are all the same you all tell us the same thing you know i said i just can't kill anybody I can't kill anybody. So I don't know what that's called. But the other people were with me and they couldn't do it either. And we all said to the sergeant, how do you feel about getting shot, sergeant? And he said, well, I don't like shots. I faint. I said, okay, I get it. I am not going to shoot a gun. I mean, they did. They went back and forth with us, bantering with us. And then they really gave us a hard time, Ingrid, when we couldn't read maps. We, didn't, we couldn't read uh -huh. maps. The nurses were terrible with maps. You all, you nurses are the same. And he joked around with us. And, but anyway, yeah. And then, you know, in basic training, they had us use that gun. We didn't ever have to give though. The corpsman did it, but they taught us all that about giving shots with guns. Uh, you know, some of them fainted. I mean, oh, the vaccine shots, right? With, uh, the multiple vaccines and like right. those uh, air guns. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, those are terrible. Yeah. I said to him, I can shoot that kind of gun. He started going, oh, he was he couldn't believe it, how we would talk to them. You're not, he was just, but he was bantering back and forth. He wasn't mean. He could have been our father. Yeah. All, you know, we were all really young, just getting out of school, most of us. Some of them were a little bit older, but, you know, I was close mm -hmm. to the ones that were really young. Yeah, my age. Yeah. And... Um, and when you were going through boot camp, where was uh, uh, Viet uh, was Vietnam already happening at that time? Oh yes, oh yeah, Vietnam was happening, and everyone was telling me they were getting orders to go to Vietnam, and I didn't get any orders to go to Vietnam. I they asked you in basic training. They said, oh, "Where do you want? Where are three places you'd like to go?" And my mom said to me, "Ask for big hospitals." So you can get a lot of experience. You need experience. You don't have any experience. So I asked yeah. Letterman, Walter Reed, and Fitzsimmons. That was uh -huh. a joke. That was a big joke. I learned very quickly that was a joke. I didn't get any of them. They sent me to Fort Devens, Massachusetts. I said, where's Fort Devens? Well, it's in Massachusetts. I said, well, I understand that, but what kind of hospital is it? So they got a lot of the people that came back from Vietnam. It's almost like they were getting me ready for Vietnam. I was the only one out of our group that went to Fort Devens. And uh, and I worked on a septic orthopedic unit. So uh, uh, I took care of everybody. Now, you know, the ones that came back had been in Vietnam. And, you know, they loved the nurses and the nurses loved these guys. In fact, I'm friends with uh, a family still that I met at Fort Devens, he had come back. Gary Joby, he came back from uh, Vietnam and his wife was there and, you know, we all became friends and we Facebook and Messenger all the time. They're just really nice people. Anyway, you know, as young nurses, we would come back to the units with pizzas for these, for these patients. We would do all that stuff. I spent so much time on the unit just catering to these people and and the, the, the patients would say, you're going to go to Vietnam. You better get ready. You're going to go to Vietnam. I said, oh, no, 
the recruiter said, told my dad I'd never have to go. I mean, I, that, I believed whatever they said, right? I had no idea that wasn't <laughs> going to be true. But then I signed up for an advanced medical surgical nursing course, which I didn't know at the time, Ingrid, was like a sure ticket to Vietnam. That was a preparation for Vietnam because everyone in that class uh, went to Vietnam, but I didn't know. I just signed up because I wanted to learn more and I felt maybe I could have gotten a better education, but I'm not so sure. I think I got a very good education going to a three-year program and sort of working mm -hmm. with the patients right off the bat, learning as I go. I think I got a very good education and we were taught by the nuns at St. Elizabeth. I mean, it was really good. I didn't even know what a nun was when I went there. So, I mean, I learned a lot about people. I didn't know about, I just didn't know a lot of stuff. I don't want to say the wrong thing. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you were probably a little bit more sheltered, you know, growing oh, up in the middle of the, in the middle of the farm country right. and then coming to the big city was a big eye-opening oh. experience. Oh, it was. It was coming to Chicago to go to school was an eye opener like I could not believe. I mean, my mom and dad were afraid for me to go to Chicago. And I said, oh, no, everything's safe because I didn't know they were having fires in Chicago at that time. They were having. Were you, were you there with the Chicago riots? Yes, I was there. We were on top of the, the St. Elizabeth's looking and they made us get down. They said you could get killed. You know, what do we know? We're from the farms. We dealt with cows and pigs and we didn't know any of this stuff. We just were like dumb. We went to that street. Yeah, we went to a street down where everybody went. Uh, Wells on Wells Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we went there all the time. We were so excited to see all this stuff. We hadn't seen anything like that before. Uh-huh. Yeah, we would drive all over. We went to these hamburger and hot dog places. We didn't have any of that in central Illinois. None of it. Oh, my goodness. It was a real eye-opener. It was a lot of fun. At the time, it was scary for my mom and dad. And to show you that they didn't have any money, they could even bring me to Chicago. They had no vehicles to bring me. They sent me by train. I came by train to Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I survived. So how was uh, the advanced medical surgical oh, training? It was very good. I'm telling you, it was a really good class. I did really well. Uh, but the only thing we did not study was hemodialysis. We didn't study anything about the kidney and kidney dialysis. I mean, who would have thought you would meet up with kidney dialysis in Vietnam? And so, I mean, I just, I didn't even think about it. Ingrid, I thought, I didn't think about it until I got to Vietnam. And then I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I got orders for Vietnam. Uh, at that school, I got orders. And I was more mm -hmm. afraid to let my father know than I was to go. How's that? Yeah. More? Yeah. He was so against Vietnam. He was so against any of his kids going to an area to fight like that. I said, Dad, I'm not fighting. I'm a nurse in Vietnam. I'm safe. Nobody's safe in a war. He would go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Told me you'd never have to go. I'm going to go. And I killed that. He was so mad. I said, Dad, stop it. Stop, stop, stop. I'm going to be fine. And then when I left, the only thing he said to me, Jackie, I'm just telling you, don't get in trouble. That's all he said. 
And my mom said, Jackie, if it seems too good to be true, whatever it is, it probably is. Don't get involved. That's, mm -hmm. Yeah, the only advice they gave me, and my one little brother gave me a ring for good luck. I mean, it was so sweet. Uh, you don't realize all that until later. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, it is very sweet. Um, so where did you, like, what part of Vietnam did they send you to? They sent me to Saigon. They sent me to Third Field Hospital. I said, I don't want to go there, right? I'm learning now about the Army. I said, I want to go where I can wear fatigues for an entire year. And they said, Lieutenant, you don't have a choice. I said, I, they said, you don't have a choice. You're going to Third Field Hospital. If you want to leave in six months, you can leave, but you're going to go to Third Field Hospital. I mean, I began to realize it doesn't matter what you pick, they're going to send you where they want to send you. That's what they did. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I get to Third Field Hospital. First of all, I, I get off the plane in Vietnam and in Saigon, the smell was horrible. I mean, I'd never smelled anything like that. I didn't know, I, I was a little embarrassed and I thought everyone is saying it, so I said it. And then the bugs, we almost immediately saw the bugs were awful. And the heat, it was so hot in Vietnam. To us, it was so hot. We're from a Northern climate and to come there, it was so warm, so, so warm. But anyway, we got there and they said, you're going to Third Field Hospital. And I told them again, I didn't want to go there. I wanted to go up north somewhere to one of those MASH or whatever hospitals. I didn't know much about it, but I knew I didn't want to be where you had to salute everybody and had to wear a white uniform every day to work. Yeah, I wanted to wear fatigues to work. And they said, you don't have a choice. I kept getting the same thing. If you want, just transfer. Well, you can transfer in six months, but you have to stay for six months. Well, I mean, you begin to realize, why do you want to leave? If you've met everybody and you become friends with people, why do you want to just up and leave and go somewhere else? Anyway, then I get to, be, to Third Field Hospital and they say, Lieutenant, you're assigned to the hemodialysis unit. What? I don't know anything about hemodialysis. And you're going to be the head nurse. Oh, I just got out of school. You're in charge. You're in charge. That's what they said. I said, I don't know anything about dialysis. You'll learn. Don't worry. You'll learn. You'll, you're going to be fine. We promised the doctors that the next person with your MOS would go to the dialysis unit. I said, why can't someone else go and I'll go to their unit? No. I said, I can go to ICU. No, you're going to the dialysis unit. Now, the same same thing they said to me, if you don't like it, you can switch in six months. Oh, my God. I was just, by then I was like, okay, I get this. I've really learned it. it but you never really learn it. You always think you're going to, you know, beat the system. I learned then, you know, you don't get a choice. Well, I don't know why they ask you what your, is your choice because you don't get a choice. They send you where they want to send you. So I was in the dialysis unit. I, you know, I admitted to them. I said, you know, I don't know that much about dialysis. I just graduated nursing school uh, two years ago. Well, it was, well, I graduated in 68 and it was the end of 69. So I guess 
it was a year, a little a year and a half later, I said, I don't know anything about dialysis. 68, I went to Vietnam to be the end of 69. So I said, I, I went to that advanced med search nursing class. And that's what they said to me. Didn't they teach you about hemodialysis? Not one class on hemodialysis. They taught mm -hmm. us ICU. They taught us orthopedics. All this, you know, all that neuro, all that kind of stuff. We worked on all these different units, but nothing about dialysis. Lo and behold, I was part of the 629th Medical Detachment. It was the only dialysis unit of its kind in Southeast Asia. Up to that point, they had only done uh, uh, peritoneal dialysis. Mm -hmm. And not only did we dialyze uh, the, the Americans, we dialyzed the Australians, the Vietnamese, our friend Vietnamese, also the VC. We dialyzed those. I'll tell you stories about those guys. We dialyzed the um, Australians for sure because we traded antibiotics with them. We were, you know, I mean, they were with us. Uh, we dialyzed all the countries around us, Laos, Cambodians. We had ties in that unit. And, but the, the big deals we dialyzed, um, the, um, the high-ranking uh, officials in Saigon, because the way the VC got at them is they poisoned them. And so then we put them on the kidney machine for 24 hours straight to get the poison out of their body. And so we became very close to these high-ranking colonels, et cetera, because, you know, we were there all the time with them. We were like their kids. We were like young people, like their children, and they treated us like that. And when they got better, they invited all the nurses to their homes for these fine dinners. I mean, they were so good to us, so good to the nurses then. Mm -hmm. How come there are so many people needing dialysis besides like the people getting poisoned? Oh, because uh, when they got shot, they lost a lot of blood and they went into a low outlet failure. Okay. Yeah. And so they. So it's like trauma related? trauma related exactly that's exactly right but we also had people with g6pd deficiency which is related to a malaria and it was african-american people that went into kidney failure because of black water fever the the blood cells breaking down clogged their kidneys so just to tell you how sad it was the entire year everybody i took care of died except people who had extremity wounds. So if you had a head wound, a chest wound, an abdominal wound, a perineal wound, you died. That's just how it was. You never yeah. made it back to the States. You all died. They all died. And we knew it. We became very callous because they, we couldn't save them. Why? To this day, I ponder that all the time. Why they just didn't, instead of sending them to Saigon, why they just didn't air back them out. I didn't know the whole system to get them home, to get them on, you know, better medicine than what we had down there in Southeast Asia. And because they all died. They all died. I mean, we got to know some families. They came over. We all cried together. It was so sad. We didn't save anybody, not one person. Somebody we thought we saved, he died on the way home. So we got him so bad and we got him somewhat better but by the time they left, they were bad and they didn't make it. 
They just didn't make it. But if they had they had a infection in their leg, we learned pretty quick, Ingrid, that as soon as they came to our unit, a lot of them came and they were in cardiac arrest because their potassium was so high. That's right. So we were uh, resuscitating them on the bed scale, if you can imagine. Unbelievable stuff. So um, mm. a lot of them walked in and we knew they were going to die. How about that? They had a big abdominal wound. They walked in and we said, we want you to first start by calling your family. No, I don't need to call my family. I'll be home soon. We said, you need to call your family. It's important you keep in touch. I'll talk to, you know, they go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. just knew they weren't going to make it. That it's something about the bugs and our, bu our bodies didn't work out well and they would die. We had mm -hmm. traded carbenicillin. We had carbenicillin from the Australians because we didn't have it in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but there's so many stories. Oh, so, so many stories that are not necessarily nice stories. We had doctors mm -hmm. in charge of the dialysis unit that were running houses of prostitution. I feel bad about that. I, I, I just, to this day, I can't hardly stand it, but it's not my business. I, you know, I just did mm -hmm. my job and that's what I did. And, you know, there were corpsmen that were not so, like one day, Ingrid, one of the corpsmen said to me, hey, Lieutenant, you want to go up to the roof and smoke some joints? And I got really mad. And I said, I'm going to go to the roof and smoke some joints. And what are you supposed to be doing on the roof? You're supposed to be guarding the compound. And I am supposed to go with you. Uh, I'm going to report you if you ever ask me again. Hey, Lieutenant, we didn't think you were that way. I said, it's not about being that way. It's what's the right thing to do. I can't, I'm not even interested in smoking garbage. But more than that, you got to guard the compound with a clear mind. All right, yeah. Lieutenant, we know how you are. Uh, and I'm sorry. I, I First of all, I don't take any of that garbage. And you shouldn't be taking it either. But more than that, I said, I, I, I'm going to report you if you ever ask me again. So you better never ask me again. I mean, I will report you because you're not doing your job and you're going to impact somebody and I'm not going to be part of it. You know, they got to buy with, they got by with it. They didn't, I mean, I could only do what I could do. Other things like Ingrid, the chief nurse, uh, Colonel Hill or Lieutenant Colonel Hill said to me, so you Lieutenant Routbork, are responsible for your corpsmen. Number one, you are never to let them take care of any of the VC patients you have, the Viet Cong. In the Army, I'm sure you know this, in the Army, they bring people in the infantry to the hospital when they get wounded. So now you have corpsmen that have been medics that have been in the field. They've been killing the VC. And now we bring them in to work in Jackie's dialysis unit. And now mm -hmm. we're going to ask them to take care of these people. Yeah. And what they're going to do, Lieutenant Colonel Hill said to me, is they're going to poison them. So if they die because of poisoning on your watch, you're responsible. So you are never to let a corpsman, a medic, take care of these patients at all.
These are all going to be taken care of by the nurses. Night mm -hmm. and no corpsman. I don't want, they're not going to die on a corpsman's watch. You have to make sure your nurses are in charge. Oh my God. Then wow. the corpsman would fight. And they came to me and they said to me, you're responsible. If your corpsmen are fighting, you need to break up the fight. I said, do you want me to break? I, they cannot be fighting on your unit. Mm -hmm. I, I had to have these meetings and read, oh, they're all older than me. And the sergeant said to me, Jackie, here's what you got to do. He, took, he was like a father figure to us. So nice to us. He said, you're in charge and you got to let them know you're in charge. It doesn't matter what the age is. You're in charge. You know, you know, I take care of the nurses, he said, but you, I want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So he helped us. He helped us with everything. And he said, uh, you know, I'll do what I can to keep them in line. But, you know, you are your rank over me and you got to tell them what they got to do and not do. I'm telling you, I, you know, that's all new to me, but I learned pretty quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just little things, Ingrid, like, for instance, I came into the unit and I didn't know one thing about dialysis. So I said to, uh, I was coming and a nurse was leaving as the manager. She was doing orientation. But, you know, when you're ready to leave, you know, that's all you want to do is leave. They have parties. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, I'm coming in and I don't know anything. And I, um, I was, you know, I was really nervous. And I said to her. I said, so tell me about how you, how do you use the bed scale? I said, I, I've never used a bed scale. We didn't learn that in school. And she said, you know what? I don't really know how to use a bed scale, but here's the deal. The corpsmen do it. Okay, great. I think I should know how to do it. If I, I mean, I, 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 okay. So the next thing is, is I said, what happens if a corpsman says to you, he's going to go to the mess hall? Who washes the the kidney machine? He said, well, you do as a nurse. That's obvious, she said. I said, I said, really? I said, I don't know anything about the dialysis machine. She said, all you do is look at it and watch it. I said, well, <laughs> what do I do if something happens? And she said, don't worry about it. They'll be back from lunch fairly quickly or whatever. I was like, so I wanted to come in. I had to come in on my time off. And the first part of the time I was there, we worked 12 on and 12 off. The Army said, we're too busy, and there's nothing else you need to be doing. You need to just work. And they work. we work like that. 12 on, 12 off. 12 mm -hmm. on, 12 off. What am I going to do? You're, he said, you're all going to get in trouble, and you're not going to get in trouble. So you need to just keep working. In between time, Ingrid, we found time to go after I get off at night, because it didn't matter if you were in charge or not. You worked all shifts. I mean, two shifts, 12 on, 12 off. We would go to a hospital. A, a Christian doctor recruited nurses from our hospital. And they recruited medics, corpsmen, to come and take care of babies at his hospital. Because he had a hospital that had the babies from half American, half Vietnamese. And so the Vietnamesans, that's what they were called, hated those babies. You know, they were half black. They had curly hair. They hated it. Vietnam, they all had straight black hair. And they just hated them. They hated a half white, half Vietnamese mm -hmm. babies. 
And so they wouldn't take care of them. Mm -hmm. So he recruited us to take care of these babies. And so I had sign-off sheets on all the units. And I had nurses going over there during the day, different times, to help take care of the babies until um, we several of us got meningitis. Mm -hmm. I got oh. meningitis in Vietnam. And um, we all got sick. A lot of us got sick. One guy who hated babies and kids only went there because I asked him to go. Uh, ended up going back to the states because he was so sick. Me, I was on ice. I was not in ICU. I was on IV antibiotic. I was in one of their units, but not for very long. And then they sent us because we all had such horrible headaches after that uh, to Cameron Bay to recover some uh, supposedly a resort, Cameron Bay. And they sent us there like an R&R &R type thing because we all were pretty sick. And mm -hmm. they would go there if they wanted, if they had time off. I mean, I never cared about going there, but they sent us there because re we really needed to rest. But then they banned us from going to this doctor's hospital anymore because we were sick. But while we were sick, a sad thing is 48 babies died from medicine. Oh. Oh, man. I know. It's a very sad thing. And had I known what I know today, you know, what my husband and I never had children. We tried. We did infertility. We tried mm -hmm. to adopt. I wish I could have adopted a baby or two over there because they were yeah. treated terrible. They were really treated terrible. You know, so sad thing. But anyway, um, so we did that. And what other stuff I'm trying to think? Oh. The big thing is, Ingrid, in Vietnam, because I was raised on a farm and mm -hmm. my dad taught us how to grow things, um, they could never grow anything in front of the hospital. So in Viet in Saigon, they had all these streets. They had Animal Street. They raised crickets for animals. The kids had crickets. I step on crickets. But anyway, uh, then they raised, uh, they had Plant Street. They had Textile Street. And so we would go to I went to the plant street and we bought plants to plant in, to plant in front of the hospital and every we planted wouldn't grow and they're like we thought you could grow stuff route board that's what they all call me and I uh -huh. said well, it grows in Illinois I don't know I'm just telling you I don't know and so <clears throat> come to find out that they had brought all the dirt up from the delta which had been sprayed with agent orange to defoliate so they could get the enemy. And it was you know, all over the hospital. And oh my God. So nothing would grow. And that was yeah. before we did never, we never used any gloves for anything. We didn't clean up stool or urine with gloves. We did everything without gloves, everything. And except sterile procedures. We didn't, we didn't do sterile, we did use gloves and masks for sterile procedures. But we never cleaned up people using gloves. So why would I wear gloves when my hands are in dirt? When I was growing up, my dad said, it's good to have your hands in dirt. It's good yeah. to have dirt, you know? So mm -hmm. and I could grow anything. My dad taught us everything. But uh, it didn't work in Vietnam. But little did we know that we were all really exposed. High exposure to Agent Orange. We breathed it. It touched our bodies. Yeah, it, you know, whatever. So... Um, so that happened. And then because the dialysis unit was, uh, full and not full, the census would go up and down. 
there would be times when we didn't have any patients to put on the kidney machine. And almost always, the staff from the dialysis unit would go to the VIP unit. So we had a unit that took care of majors and above. So they went there. They didn't go on any of the regular units because Third Field Hospital originally was the old English-speaking school in Saigon. So they spruced it up to make it a hospital. You know, it was, you know, they didn't have flower, they didn't have all that stuff. So we were supposed to fix it up and that's what they did. But all around the top and all around it, they had barbed wire, you know, it was pretty ugly stuff. But anyway, um, the, all the wards were old classroom. They would long rooms and that's where the classrooms were at Third Field Hospital. And mm -hmm. so would work on all these different units, but the dialysis people, when they were, when there was no patients, they'd send it to the VIP unit. And the corpsmen would like to do anything to get home. You know, by the time nurses are somewhere for a while, I mean, unless you were married back home or something, I had never even dated. I didn't, you know, I had no intentions. We'd made a pact, four nurses, four of us very close today still. Uh, we made a pact. We're not going to even date anyone. We don't even care about any of that because everything is such a fake time, you know, and you don't know if people are married, not married. And, and I remember what my mother said, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. So don't get involved with anything. And my dad's mm -hmm. telling me, no, don't get in trouble. And all that's in the back of my mind. I'm thinking I'm not interested in any of that right now. And we were very close, four of us together today are still really close. And so we made a pack. And so we didn't drink. We didn't do any of that stuff. We were not smokers. And we just had fun together. We would go downtown Saigon. We would have breakfast like it was like downtown Evanston or downtown wherever you, you know, it was just nice that they got to know us there. The restaurants, they were all spoke French. We didn't speak French. We didn't speak Vietnamese, but we learned some of it. So it was enjoyable for us, but there was so much stuff going on. And one day they asked me to be in charge of the officers club. I said, me be in charge of the officers club. I said, I don't even go to the officers club. I don't even drink. I mean, I taste the drink or something, but I'm not, my parents owned a cocktail lounge, by the way. I said, no, I'm not interested. And they said, I said, I don't drink. I'm not a good, no, you're just the kind of person we want. I said, no, I'm not interested. I said, I don't go. It's not fair. Give it to somebody who goes. They're going to enjoy it. So that's the kind of stuff that happened that, you know, that was, but I was going to tell you something that really was pretty important besides the doctor. Besides, we ordered, we wrote to all different hosp, um, churches in the United States. We got lists from wherever they gave us lists and we asked them to send us diapers and, uh, a clothes, baby clothes, didn't have to be new. You know what? And they sent all this stuff and it stopped where it got sent and uh, it never came to us. It went on the streets of Saigon and they were on the black market and they stole mm -hmm. all the stuff that these churches sent and they would sell it because they didn't want to use it for these babies. They hated these babies that we were taking. Oh, and yeah. so- we got it for them and they never ever got to use it. If you were low on something in the PX or commissary, for instance, M&Ms, everyone in Vietnam loved M&Ms. 
And if you couldn't find it in the PX or commissary, yeah, uh, right in the hospital, guess what? It was all on the streets of Saigon in the black market. You could buy your M&Ms there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. If you go downtown, they'd ride you on bikes downtown. And one day I was riding on one of those bikes with another nurse and somebody took a knife and slit the uh, uh, the camera bag off my shoulder and stole it. Oh, wow. That was oh, yeah. yeah. It was pretty scary. It didn't hurt me at all. But I was sad because they had all those pictures I'd been taking. Not that I was a good photographer, but I had a lot of nice pictures of, you know, the scenery where they gave us little mm -hmm. tours, et cetera. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was sad. And then, Ingrid, we did so many things that you'd be scared to do today. Like, I had a friend who was in the Air Force, and he said, why don't you get some of your friends together? That's the same guy, Jim Trammell from uh, St. Elizabeth's in Danville. And he mm -hmm. said, I'll, you girls can come, and you can ride on the plane with me when we do medevacs all across Vietnam. Oh, he said, that'd be wonderful. Mm -hmm. we, oh, we could have gotten in trouble from the Army. We didn't even pay attention to that. We were riding around. We could have gotten shot down. Mm -hmm. Planes were landing. We'd pick up people. We were so excited to be able to do that. Then another guy got some of us to go up in helicopters. We thought that's pretty exciting. Um, that kind of stuff was fun. Uh, but the saddest part of all is that we couldn't save one person we took care of. Not one person. Oh. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Every. Except, like I said, if you had a, a extremity wound. Oh, I know what I started to tell you. So everyone who came to our unit in kidney failure, um, the first thing we did after we learned about this stuff is that they took off their casts and they took them to surgery and cleaned out their wound. That was the very first thing that happened. If they were stable, if we weren't pumping on their chest on this bed scale. Mm -hmm. yeah. If they were stable, then they go right to surgery because we had to get that infection out. We couldn't fix them up if the infection was still there, right? Mm -hmm. So many of them, at first when we started, uh, when I was first there, they didn't do that. And so the legs would get septic so fast because they're underneath a cast and, you know, bugs, and they would get really, really sick. And so then yeah. that became much better for them. Uh, then they would clean it out. If they didn't clean it out, Ingrid, they almost always lost their extremity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I mean, you got a lot. You haven't said nothing. I've been saying everything. <laughs> well, you're you're doing a great job. Um, do you have, are there any patients that you uh, remember, like, you know, explicitly or? Um... I remember a guy from Thailand. His name was Prasit Bunyatan. He had to be the same age as we were. Um, so he was from Thailand and he loved the nurses. You know, we were all the same age and we did. And him and another guy, Doug Johnson, we did Tang commercials. Do you know, Tang was over there. It was a big drink. When yeah. We were in Vietnam, and they were over there doing commercials and they had us on a commercial for Tang. And so Prasit Bunyatan was on it. Doug Johnson was on it. That was a corpsman, uh, also a patient. He would, had been a patient. 
So he was on it. Yeah, we did that kind of, that was fun. Oh, I wonder if you could find that commercial. Yeah, I don't know if you could find it, but it, it was a lot of fun. The people were there, all these cameras taking pictures. We really didn't want to be on camera. We didn't understand. We didn't even know what was going on in the United States. We knew we left fighting. I knew I left fighting in Chicago, but we didn't understand how they hated all the people coming back. They called people baby killers. And that happened to me when I came back. I yeah. What, how did, how, what was your, when you finally left Vietnam, like what happened when you so fly back into O'Hare or? Oh, no. I fly, I landed in San Francisco. Okay. And I was good friends with a nurse from Eugene, Oregon. Um, I said, I don't know if I'll ever get to Oregon again in my life. That's how you feel. You've been to Vietnam. You've been everywhere, right? And yeah. I mean, I didn't meet my husband there. I didn't have any, I didn't have any, uh, I wasn't attached to anyone. I knew I wasn't interested in that right now. So uh, my friend, she was in Oregon. And so her and I decided we're, I'm going to go up there and visit her. And my mo poor mom is waiting. My dad's waiting. And I'm going to visit Eugene, Oregon, and her dad's taking us everywhere. My mom said, did you forget where you live? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we were there a week, and then we came, then I came home, um, and my mom and dad were very excited to see me, you know, Clinton, Illinois. They, my daughter's home from Vietnam. She wanted to have a party for me. I mean, you know, it was no big deal for me, um, but... When I came to San Francisco and we got off the plane, um, I was going to get our luggage, my luggage, and they're calling me baby, they're calling us baby killers. I said, what are you talking about? I took care of these infant babies. What are they? I didn't know what they were talking about. And they said that everybody, the news had said that uh, the people in Vietnam were killing babies. I said, well... Oh, no. Or we were, I was not a baby killer. I, you know, it was, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to, to hear that kind of stuff. But you know what? And we didn't get any recognition to come home. It was like, no big deal. All right. They're home. That's good. Except my parents and family were really glad to see me. But I know I was going to tell you a story when I was at Third Field Hospital to circle back to my mom telling me that uh, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. One here, I was, oh, there's lots of stories now that's coming. One day I yeah. was at, um, uh, in the unit and everyone's telling, hey, Jackie, you need to come downstairs. There's a man selling emeralds downstairs and they're not expensive. And then it just hit me what my mom said, because I knew because my birthday was in May that that's not true. Emeralds are really expensive. An emerald is a stone that's the same everywhere. It's not going to be cheaper. It's a stone. It's made in the mm -hmm. rock. It's not cheaper. Well, anyway, um, I asked for an emerald ring for graduation, and my mom said, you're going to have to have a husband get you that, Jackie, because it's way too expensive for your dad and I mm -hmm. to buy anything like that. And, I mean, it was a lot of money. I knew it was a lot of money. I would go to these rock stores in central Illinois and, you couldn't even look at them. It's too expensive to look at. So when they said they're getting, <laughs> they're getting uh, emerald rings, 
for cheap. I thought, ooh, not. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to get any right now. I, I think I'll wait. And so when they all got these emerald rings, they were beautiful. Everyone, aren't you sorry you didn't get it? And I said, no, nah, I'm not really sorry. I'll let a husband get it for me or something like that. We joke around. Uh, who are you dating? I'm not dating anyone, but you know, I'm young. So anyway, uh, uh, they went to Hong Kong and got stuff appraised, right? And it was uh, faceted seven up bottles. It wasn't, it was glass. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it probably, yeah. So yeah. I started to tell you the story about us going to the uh, uh, the when the dialysis unit was empty, we would go to the VIP unit. And this one night I was on with this corpsman because all the corpsmen would like to find a way to get out of Vietnam. And so he, I said to him, here's the deal, because the chief nurse, Lieutenant Colonel Hill, her and I were not like uh, she didn't like me. I didn't think because she'd given me all these rules. She said, Lieutenant. I don't want the corpsman to take the vital signs on any of these patients. That's your job. He can bring them water. He can do this, but he cannot do their vital signs, right? So anyway, I explained to him, I said, please do not do the vital signs. Please don't do it because I, Lieutenant Colonel Hill, oh yeah, she doesn't care. I said, no, I'm telling you, listen to me. Do not take their vital signs. I don't want to have to go back because they're going to ask me why we're doing it again. Is something wrong? I said, mm -hmm. don't do it. He comes to me, this like young whippersnapper, and he gives me a whole list of all these vital signs. And we had a big, uh, we had a large number of uh, VIPs, right? And I said to him, I thought I explained to you that you can't, oh, he said, I forgot. Well, I happened to look at his wrist and I said, and so I want to know how did you take their pulse. He said, Lieutenant, that's very easy. I said, you don't have a watch. What do you mean that's easy? He said, here's what I do. I do all the vital signs. I'd listen to the heart. I get the beat and then I go to the hall and then I would count it for 15 seconds. I said, you did all these vital signs, these heart rates like that. Yes, ma'am, I did. And they're all right. Do you believe he said that? <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, they wanted to get out of Vietnam any way they could. He would love to have gotten in trouble. I was like, yeah. well, I'm sorry, but I got to do him again. Because remember what I told you about Colonel Hill. She said, you are not to do that. And I've got to make sure she knows that I did it. Because she can ask me if I did it. Yeah. I was sort of scared of her. She could have not. Colonel, did you ever run into a lieutenant? No, a Colonel Antonici. She was a chief nurse. We had Lieutenant Colonel Hill. Some of them were not really nice, you know. The higher, uh -huh. Yeah, you know how yeah. it could be. Yeah, so that was a pretty interesting experience. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I loved hearing these stories. This is great. Um, and then, um, are you doing anything? Are you are you fully retired now? Yes, I am. Bob and I both retired in twenty. Bob uh, 
we were in Vietnam exactly the same time. He was a corpsman in Vietnam. He actually went in as a con. He went in and he was a conscientious objector. He said, "I didn't know him, know that he didn't want mm -hmm. it done. He wasn't going to kill anybody. He would have been a medic. He was a medic in Vietnam. That's what he was. But he had been drafted from University of Chicago, and so uh, he went in and ended up being a neurotech at, at a Da Nang. I think Da Nang up there. We were there mm -hmm. exactly the same time. We started at St. Francis on the same day." And he ended up being a perfusionist. And when I mm -hmm. left, um, when I got back from Vietnam, I started at St. Francis. It's a funny story. And then I ended up being head nurse of the heart surgery unit. So that's how we met. So we, and Dr. Murphy, the heart surgeon, was also in Vietnam, but he was there. He came home a year before we did. Yeah. So we were all really close. Dr. Murphy, Bob, and I yeah. were really we're close to the whole Murphy family. So, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so everyone thinks, oh, you met Bob in Vietnam. No, I didn't meet him in Vietnam. We met at St. Francis, but we were all funny. And we started at St. Francis the same time. Mm -hmm. I remember we decided we probably were in the same orientation class. Didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. And um, are you doing anything nowadays with like, veteran organizations or anything I've never, like that? I've never gotten involved because that's what I was going to tell you. The veteran stuff, all that stuff was so not good, not nice. I mean, doing that yeah. stuff was not well-liked people. I mean, it was almost as if it was shunned. You shouldn't be doing anything like that. You know how bad it was that you were in Vietnam. I'm like, I mean, I, I they paid for my education. It wasn't bad for me. It was good for my family, you know, but you know, they didn't care. People really, I, you know, it was a bad time. It was a really bad time. I, but I don't regret one time, one minute. I don't regret any of it. I loved all of it, except all the people dying. I loved all of it. I, there's nursery. Yeah. We're still friends today. After all these years, you know, Dorothy, Helen, Sandy, myself, we're still friends. They're all retired, yeah. all retired, but you know, we are not sorry at all. Not at all. Two of us are married, have been married, and two of us, uh, two of them never got married. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're all really close. Yeah. I love that you still keep in touch with with them. Oh, yes. Well, we're such good friends with Dorothy and Sandy. Dorothy and Sandy and I are really close. Helen lives in Florida. Her husband makes boats there, but... They were originally, Helen was originally from uh, out east, Oregon. Her father had a filbert farm, hazelnuts. I love hazelnuts, but he had a farm out there. And then she ended up marrying someone from Florida and her husband makes boats. And she ended up teaching LPNs in Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we were all, you know, we're just really close. Now, I'm the only one who went for an advanced degree. Well, they... Most of them had a bachelor's, but I'm the only one who ended up with getting a master's in nursing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. And um, one of the things I like to ask um, people on my podcast is what are what types of things do you do to take care of yourself? Or do you do any self-care types of things like, you know, just to keep your life in balance? 
I mean, I have a great husband. We're really close. But as far as other stuff, you know, I, I, I had some challenges when I worked at Evanston. I, two times I tripped, I fell, I fell. And the one time I broke my hip, my knee, and my shoulder, and I had emergency hip replacement, emergency, not emergency, I had a knee replacement. I'd already had my knees replaced in 2009, and that's mm -hmm. when I had pulmonary emboli. And so, and then I also then ended up with shoulder surgery. But I had lots of stuff like um, in two, 1994, I ended up with a chondral sarcoma. And of course, they say that's the only cancer that's not covered under the Agent Orange umbrella. Now, I know two other nurses who got it. One of them got their whole arm cut off. She was from Montana. Mm -hmm. I had to do an expert witness. I only didn't get my arm cut off because I lived in Chicago. And it's a big metropolitan area that has lots of people taking care of this kind of surgery. And I went to University of Chicago with Dr. Peabody. And he is the one who saved my arm, him and Simon and Peabody, because I went to an oncology, sarcoma oncology orthopedic doctor. And I was sent there uh, from Evanston because they didn't even know what I had. So I wow. had, I've had lots of stuff, lots, lots, of yeah. lots of stuff. So, but I don't, wow. yeah. And that, that's most likely Agent Orange related. And I'm almost sure it is, but they say it's not. But I have never been involved in the, I can't seem to get a part of the Agent Orange thing. I have tried so many times. I've tried, applied. I don't think I applied to the right, with the right people. I don't have one of those VSOs. We went to um, uh, uh, John, James Lovell, that mm -hmm. and uh, we're both there. Bob has diabetes. Uh, presumed from Vietnam and, you know, other stuff, but they somehow do not feel that any and all the stuff that I have is not related to it, although I've never been questioned by people from Agent Orange. And I don't know where to go for a VSO because um, we tried working with the people in Evanston and we filled out all the paperwork because every doctor when we retired, I'm telling you, everyone said, please go. You should be able to get some of your medicine from the VA. And we filled out the paperwork. And these three ladies, I'll just leave their whatever it is alone, and yeah. came out. And they said, uh, you two make way too much money. You do not get any benefits from the VA. That's what they said. In the middle of a waiting room that obviously people were needing the benefits and we were just finding out what we were eligible for. And that with that, Bob said, Jack, don't ever ask me to do this again. I'm never going to do it again. It was the most embarrassing experience I've ever had. And it, I, I can't even tell you, I hope I never see these people again. Well, then I belong to an organization of uh, raising awareness for women who wanted to have an or a, a monument in Springfield for all women uh, who served in who served in wartime in the service, uh, mm -hmm. Illinois. Well, uh, that group said you deserve some benefits from all this, and I yeah. said, well I've tried it doesn't work. 
they somehow they they said you got to get something. Uh, nobody's ever been able to help me. So then, like I said, I went to the VA, and at first I couldn't even get in. Right? They couldn't. And then they they got me, or I got a card, and then I I'm starting to get bills from the VA. I don't need to get bills from the VA. I can go through Medicare and not have to pay. So I'm not sure what I'm doing there. I'm just confused about how the coverage works. I'm not trying to get anything I'm not supposed to, but I think mm -hmm. I have enough stuff that some of that is related to my hands being right in Agent Orange. But to get mm -hmm. something that's going to help me has been a difficult time. But anyway, that's not what you're here for. So, Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll try to see if I can, if I can find any info, I've been able to go to some, um, I was just a couple of weeks ago at a, a women's veterans conference in Oak Brook. And that was, um, uh, really great. I got, well, I, I missed some of it because I was hosting a blood drive at the VFW post, but, um, but I know they had people from the VA there. If I can find out anything for you, Jackie, I'll let you know. That would be great. That would be great because so many people have started and fell through or whatever. And some people said to me, your 13 years of infertility, some of that has got to be related. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we tried everything. I'm telling you, yeah. we tried everything. The adoption, oh. adoptions falling through is not related, of course, to Agent Orange. But the infertility for both of us and all the stuff, it's related and nobody wants to say anything. And then mm -hmm. all my allergies, terrible. Al I never had allergies. I lived on a farm. I All this stuff is all this exposure to Agent Orange. I mean, there's so many presumed things, but I can't find a person that's going to talk to me even about it. So that's mm -hmm. fine. But anyway, like I said, we, we're not here for that. Um, I can tell you for sure, I've never, ever been sorry that I was in the service ever. Um, and I learned a lot and I never got in trouble and I got out and an honorable discharge. And I mean, uh, I even had a letter of accommodation from some general. We can't find it. I don't remember getting it, but someone I was working with at an uh, third field hospital, she got one. She worked at the, the hospital. And I don't know whether because everything burned when my parents had a fire. We lived in a small town in central Illinois, which I'm ashamed to tell you, they hated Jews. And we were the only Jewish family. And we had houses burned down, two of them. And they didn't come oh, fire yeah. on purpose. You know, they said there was a train, a freight train, well, in the middle of the night. You know, but you just get used to that kind of, that kind of, uh, the way they treat you. My dad opened the door at the bank for an African-American, a black lady. And the, when my dad came out, a man was standing there and he spit on my dad. I mean, terrible stories like that, you know, so. But you know what? We, ra we were raised. We ended up fine. All of us, nobody's on drugs. Nobody does any of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, mm -hmm. best they could, considering they lost their son. And at that time, yeah. Ingrid, they have no support groups. My mom couldn't call her sister. She had seven of them. She couldn't call them because it cost too much money to make phone calls then, you know? And so yeah, long distance phone calls. Yeah. My mom uh, was down there in Heliopolis and my, her sisters and brother were in, brothers were in uh, 
Milwaukee. And so, you know, it was challenging for her. But we were lucky enough, Bob and I, she had leukemia, and we were fortunate enough to take care of her uh, her last five years she was with us, and we loved having her. So, yeah, it was great. So, Oh, well, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank and you Bob so much. I did a lot. I mean, I couldn't have done what I've done in nursing uh -huh. if we'd had kids. So God was looking out for us. We believe in God, and God's looking out for us. So if you mm -hmm. can't give some one way, you can give another way. Yeah, and Bob and I are very close. We have each other. That's all we have. So we're very, very close and we're grateful for that. So, yeah. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for, for coming on my show oh, you're and, <laughs> and letting me interview you. This was really cool. I never really got to sit down and talk to you about all this stuff. Yeah. I hope I was able to answer some of the questions. Of course, many of the questions didn't even apply to me because oh wow I was very well very cool yeah well thank you so much for listening and I appreciate any feedback if you are a lady veteran and would like to be interviewed you can reach out through my website saveitforthedrive.com you can get this podcast through the website, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcast. Always remember everyone deployed. And whenever you have a great story to tell, remember to save it for the drive. <laughs>